It's good to be back on Search the Scriptures today. We want to welcome all of our listeners. We know that many of you listen on a daily basis or near daily, and there are others of you who listen frequently when your schedule and the opportunities present themselves, and there are others who listen perhaps less frequently, but as they can and as they find the opportunity, and then there are always new listeners. We're thankful for every single one of you who listen to this program. Whether you listen daily or whether you're listening for the very first time, we're thankful that you're here. We're thankful that you're in the program today, and we pray for you. We really do. We care about you, and we do pray for you diligently. We pray that as you study with us and search the scriptures, you are impressed with the fact that we teach the Bible, that we're trying to help you learn God's word better because that is how you can come closer to God. That is how your faith can grow. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as you grow in your faith, as your faith becomes more and more solid and stronger and stronger, then we pray that you're going to make that decision to follow God the way that he lays out for all of us in his word. We pray that this program is a great blessing for you and again, we pray for you diligently. It's wonderful for me to be here to study with you, with my brothers, Dennis Stackhouse and Dwayne Kennedy. Dwayne, good to be with you today. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be on the program with you as well and with our listening audience. You know, Gary and Dennis, many times as we are doing the radio program, Search the Scriptures, I think about or imagine people listening to us sitting in their car or sitting in their homes, wherever it is they may be as they're tuning in. And uh, I am encouraged by that, but it's always nice to know that a person is in our audience here at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ, and they walk up to me and introduce themselves as a person who listens to the radio program to see that person's face and to get that reality that they are seeking the truth that they are trying to learn about God from his word, that they have found his word being preached on our program, and that they are responding to it. And we encourage you to keep on doing that in the Omaha area, but as well as those of you who might be listening to Search the Scriptures outside of the Omaha area and other cities, we want to encourage you to find the local Church of Christ and go and continue your study with them. Amen. Dennis? Thank you, Duane and Gary. I'm certainly pleased to be on the program today with both of you as well, and would like to welcome those listening. We're certainly pleased that you've tuned in to Search the Scriptures today. We do hope you'll be encouraged, you'll be edified by the study that we involve ourselves in. You know, sometimes, and I, I think probably all of us have heard this from people down through the years or through the study we've done with others. Many times people tell me, well, you know, yeah, I understand Jesus went to the cross, but he didn't have any choice. You know, God made him do it. Well, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because of a statement Jesus himself made in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. He said, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Right. And then listen to verse 18. No one takes it from me, 
but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I've received from my Father. You know, I, I think about that passage often, and it just astounds me when I consider the kind of love that Christ had for me and for you, for everyone listening to this program, in that he would lay down his life in order to pay the price for our sins. Just astounding. And we hope, through the efforts that we set forth here on Search the Scriptures, you're coming to understand something about the love that God has for each and every one of us and how very precious that is. When we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about God the Son. We are. Yes. And as you said, he laid down his life. Mm -hmm. He agreed to go to that cross. Yes. In Philippians chapter 2, it, and this is a rather difficult text to translate in a kind of a fluid and comfortable way, mm -hmm. but it tells us in verse, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 2 of Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, mm -hmm. taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Mm -hmm. He willingly lowered himself right. and mm -hmm. became a man and yes, allowed himself to be sent to that cross. Yes, uh, another version uh, renders that phrase there in verse 6, he emptied himself. Yes. Which is a, a pretty vivid picture of what Jesus actually did in giving up that heavenly home and taking on human form. And, and another version also renders that part where it says that, that, you know, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. Mm -hmm. He willingly let himself yes. come to this earth and live as a man and die on that cross. Yes, and uh, if I understand the, the meaning behind what's said there in that uh, sixth chapter of Philippians chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 2, the sixth verse, excuse me, we're being told that Jesus didn't have to rob God to get that equality because he already had it. Right. Or... As you pointed out, Gary, he didn't jealously hug that equality to himself, but willingly let it go so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus did all these things in obedience to the Father's will, and in doing so, set the example for us to follow in his steps. That is, to live in obedience to the Father, making the appropriate sacrifices to save our souls. Yeah, in yes. humble obedience yes. and mm -hmm. service. And therein is where Paul says, let this mind be in you, mm -hmm. just as it was in Christ. Well, all of this goes along with what we're studying right now. We introduced in our last program, we're asking that question, are you being careless with your soul? And in introducing this particular topic in our scripture study, we were looking at a number of passages that first laid out that our soul is more valuable than anything else that we could possibly possess in this world. 
In fact, we even have that rhetorical question asked a couple of times in a couple of different ways in Matthew 16 and verse 26. What is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Mm -hmm. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Mm -hmm. So there's the concept that our soul is something that we possess and something that we have control over as to its future destiny. Would we be so careless with our soul that we could lose it? And it's not going to be like losing our watch. (laughs) No. Or losing our wallet. We're talking about our eternal destiny. Mm -hmm. Then we looked at a number of passages that laid out for us from God's perspective how valuable our soul is. John 3 verse 16, Romans 5 and verse 8, God's love was demonstrated so vividly in sending Christ to the cross as the perfect one time for all time sacrifice for our soul's salvation. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Christ died that we might live. Mm-hmm. Romans 6 and verse 23. Romans mm-hmm. 5 verses 8 through 10. Hebrews 7 and verse 27. He allowed himself to be that ultimate perfect sacrifice. 1 John 4 verses 9 and 10. He died that we might live. Mm-hmm. Now that is a vivid demonstration of just how valuable our soul is. Yes. What would we do, fellas, do you suppose? And we might ask our listeners this same question. What if all of a sudden we found ourselves in possession of a million dollars? We got this briefcase all of a sudden, and boy, it is chucked full with a million dollars cash. What would we do with that briefcase? How would we treat it? Well, we wouldn't lose it, for one thing. <laughs> we wouldn't lose it. <laughs> uh, uh, we'd, uh, we'd try to secure it, uh, put it in a safe place. Uh, we would do our best to take ownership of it and, uh, and use it. Yeah, yeah. For its we, value. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't just lay, leave it laying around anywhere we went, would we? No. No. Now, that, though, is a pretty apt comparison to what we read in Matthew chapter 13, where we find our, uh, the kingdom of heaven, and again, that's talking about our eternal salvation, and that's talking about our soul's salvation, and it's compared to a man finding this treasure mm-hmm. hidden in a field that is so valuable that he sells everything he has to go buy the field so he can have the treasure. Right. Mm-hmm. Or a merchant who finds this one exquisite pearl that is so perfect, so valuable, that he sells everything he has in order to buy that pearl. Mm-hmm. More valuable than anything they could have possessed. Mm-hmm. And Worth giving up everything for. Yes, it's interesting, Gary, that in both cases, the man who found the treasure in the field or the merchant who found that one magnificent pearl, they immediately recognized the value. how valuable yes. that was. Right. You know, and how telling that is for each of us as Christian people, 
or as people who want to become Christians, how we need to look at heaven and the value of our souls. Yes. Boy, if we went out, yeah, we, we left our place of work, mm-hmm. whether it's an office, a factory, a, a retail outlet, wherever it might be. Work day's over. We go out and we're looking forward to getting into our brand new car or pickup truck or SUV or minivan or whatever kind of vehicle it might be. We've only had it a couple of days and we're still excited about driving it every chance we get. And we anxiously walk out to the parking lot, wherever it's parked, and we see somebody has smashed into our brand new vehicle. It is now a hunk of junk. <laughs> We'd be crestfallen. Yes, certainly. Heartbroken, perhaps. Mm-hmm. We might even be infuriated. We'd certainly be upset. Tremendously so. We might be speechless for a while. Mm-hmm. Now, why can we relate those kinds of emotions to the possession of a material object and yet we don't even think about it hardly at all in relation to the possession of our soul which is far more precious and valuable right and we live our lives from day to day so much of the time without giving it any thought Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Dwayne, how about reading verses 1 through 4? For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Very descriptive language in this text. Paul is referring to our physical bodies, our physical lives as a tent. Yes. This is the tent in which I live, my physical body. He's talking about our physical existence. He says, if it's destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What is he talking about? Our soul. Yes, he is. And then in the next three verses, Paul portrays how it will be so much better for us to be in that tent or that spiritual body right. living with God in heaven than it is for us to be in this physical body living here on earth. As blessed as God you know, makes that particular lifestyle here in this earth, it's going to be so much better in heaven. Yes. No more arthritis. Hmm. No more hair falling out. <laughs> No more bumps and bruises, no more pain, sickness, and dying, no more tears, and we could go on. So our soul is so much better 
when we're looking at our soul's salvation as we go on through eternity, our eternal soul, so much better than what we've got here in this world. Dennis, how about 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13? And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We know that this physical life is not eternal. Uh-huh. We've, neither one of us has ever met anybody who did not or will not die. That's right. I've been to a lot of funerals. I've preached a lot of funerals. Too many. And you fellows have also preached funerals. Yes. Mm -hmm. Each one of our listeners almost unquestionably have been to funerals. Mm -hmm. That's the way of this physical existence. Right. You die. If we are born physically, we're going to die physically unless unless the Lord comes again first. Exactly right. But what we are looking forward to through Christ is eternal life for our soul. Mm -hmm. That's right. On the spiritual level. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, how does that read, Dwayne? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now that verse is preceded by verse 9, obviously, yes. where Peter encourages us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he says that he is long-suffering toward us, that is, patient, giving us this time while we're still alive in this physical body, in this, on this physical plane, to repent, to turn away from our sins. But the next verse, the verse that you just read, Duane, assures us that our time for repentance is going to run out. That's right. Mm-hmm. The day of the Lord will come. And that's talking about the final day of judgment. Yes. And everything that we might place value on uh, will be as temporary as the earth. On that day, it will come to an end. It will be destroyed. But our souls will remain forever. Hopefully, we will be saved. Well, that's up to us. That's right. Because God has done everything that needs to be done to assure us of that salvation. But the weak link is us. We've got to make up our minds. Mm -hmm. And here's where that lackadaisical attitude comes in a lot of times. That complacency, that carelessness, and we're asking that question. Are you being careless with your soul? Do you even think about your soul's salvation? What are you doing to make sure that you're complying with what God teaches so that you know that you will be saved? As you read earlier, Dennis, life is in Christ. It is. 
and we can be assured of our salvation, 1 John mm -hmm. 5 and verse 13. Mm -hmm. That's right. But only if we comply with God's teachings. That's right. And his will. Well, when we lose our physical life, are we going to keep anything related to this physical life after we lose that physical life? No. We won't have anything, will we? No. We won't at that point, no. We're not going to carry anything with us? No. I know that some people say, well, but I'm going to leave behind inheritance. I'm going to leave behind a legacy. I'm going to leave behind some good accomplishments, some memories. You're not going to carry anything with you from this world. Mm -hmm. When you die, you're dead. Nothing physical that you have in this world is going to go with you into the next existence, the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. But your soul will live on, will yes. go on. Yes. Now, when you die physically, you lose everything connected with physical life. Mm -hmm. If you lose your eternal soul as well, you lose everything. Truly lost everything. That's really right. have. You've blown it. Hmm. How can we be sure that we live our lives as we ought to make sure that our soul lives on, that we are assured of that eternal life. We need to live for God mm -hmm. in Christ. There's a pretty good statement by the psalmist in Psalm 52 and uh, verse seven, and I believe we actually ought to pick up another verse or two in that particular text. To, to kind of get the, the uh, context better. Psalm 52, and let's begin reading there, I believe, with verse 6, if I remember correctly. And we're talking about the disobedient and the perspective of the disobedient on the part of the faithful. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, let's go back to verse 5 and read through verse 7. Okay. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He shall take you away and pluck you out of your dwelling place and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. So there is how the righteous look at the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that? Why did you live that way? Why did you live unrighteously, unfaithfully, disobediently before God? Here is the man who did not make God his strength. Mm -hmm. And so eternal life for his soul is not his realistic prospect. My friend, it does not need to be that way for you. You can be assured, as we've already read, of your eternal salvation. But not just by wishing for it, not just by being careless and somehow blindly saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm saved. No, you've got to come to that salvation God's way. And that's through Christ. And that entails faithful obedience. Call us, email us, write to us, contact us, and ask for that free Bible study and learn how you can be assured 
of your soul's salvation. Don't be careless with your soul. Contact us right now.